I've got another confession to make I'm your fool Everyone's got the chains to break Holding you Will you fall to resist Or be abused Is someone getting the best The best, the best Best of you Is someone getting the best The best, the best The best of you Are you going on to someone new I needed somewhere to hang my head Without your news happening guys what's going on oh man thought I had it all correct but the, uh, the headphones are not plugged into the right place so I can't hear anything it is really late right now guys hello 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 it's better I guess it's not really it's not really as loud as I normally like it really <sighs> who knows man who knows i just reformatted my damn hard drive this surface pro man if i let it go too long <clears throat> it just keeps adding and adding and adding and adding i don't even save stuff to the hard drive on the surface pro i serve it all to an external hard drive like i said i've got about five of them up here so everything goes somewhere else but for some reason <laughs> things save to the to the hard drive on this computer regardless so no matter what you're doing it does uh, debugging information updates optimization all these different um secret files just kind of fucking load onto the damn hard drive and next thing you know i go from you know having this much or this much space on a hard drive to this and this and this and this and then once it gets down to uh, a minuscule amount it starts affecting the performance of all the uh, things that I'm doing like Audacity or um, Premiere Pro to do the videos or whatever. All the, the software that I use, if I let it go too long, it just interferes with that. Start, starts dropping audio, starts uh, not saving files, starts uh, giving me errors for all kind of stuff I'm doing. So anyway, I went in and I did what they call a reset on the hard drive. Basically just reloads. Uh, God damn, I keep hitting the mic. Basically, just reloads the operating system and uh, wipes out everything and anything that's on there. So it just starts from a fresh build. <clears throat> so that's what I just did. Just re-downloaded Audacity. So hopefully everything is running smoothly. 
it looks like it is on let's see yep it's uh the thing is moving so i guess it's all right I don't know. we'll see if i lose anything um cutting off that Altag Lansing speaker here is the Acaso uh, camera it's not doing the filming right now guess what's doing the filming my old iPhone 6s plus uh, charged it up and I'm gonna use it to record the video tonight that way I can have my other phone over here the iPhone 10 I did get my new lens in today Matter of fact, that's what's in this box right here. What's in the box? What is in the box? This is my new lens for the GoPro. I have not had a chance to sit down and even look at it. I haven't even taken out of this little bag yet. So this is the new lens. Screw trying to repair the lens. I got a new lens. Beautiful. Perfect. Oh, it's going to be so fantastic once I install that. So, I'll put that back in the box. That's going on the GoPro tomorrow. Hopefully, I can put that on and get it focused and all set. That'll be good. I just got back from Homegrown. I did not work tonight, but I was up there with Mr. Fleming Moore and um, Bruce. I don't know Bruce's last name, but he's one of the founding members of Live Bait. He's doing some acting with us on our web series. So Bruce and I and Fleming and then uh, Mr. Tommy Altair, my roommate from uh, lead singer Blue Sphere. He came over and got involved in a couple scenes as well. So we probably filmed, I don't know, 15 to 20 different segments and Mr. Moore is going to put them all together. I got to record some uh, additional audio with Tommy and I uh, sometime tonight or tomorrow. Probably not going to be tonight. What is tonight? Tonight is, I'm recording this on Monday. May 11th, and it is 11.37 p.m. It is late. I've been working on a couple of different things, so mainly just trying to get my computer back up and running, so that's been taking me a little while, so I couldn't start recording, but um, hell, we did, we did a photo or uh, video shoot up at Homegrown from about 8.30 to about 9.30, so about an hour's worth of filming up there. It's been a long day, man. I haven't felt real good today. I didn't even do anything in the yard or anything with my dad. I told him I'm taking a break. I'm not doing anything. I don't want to be out in the sun. I think I got a little bit too much sun on Saturday and maybe a little bit of sun poisoning. My entire back is just burnt and I've got some stuff here and there, different spots where I didn't have, I didn't have enough stuff. I probably look horrible. I look tired. This is what I wore during the shoot today. So these are my new, um, oh, my shortest of the short shorts. These are... These are five inch inseams, the normal ones that I wear from Chevy's. These are actually uh, swim trunks, as a matter of fact. The normal ones that I get from Chevy's are five and a half inseams. And watch this, guys. So these are my swim trunks, right? I got some, just some water in here. Oh, it's not working too well. Put some water on these trunks. I don't know if you can tell. I don't know. I don't have enough water, but you can see there's a little pattern on here now. So. These are magical shorts. They're called the Abracadinos. <laughs> like Chinos, but they're Abracadabra, so the Abracachinos. And uh, they're magic shorts. When they get wet, they have a pattern on them, so it's kind of cool. I like them. I like them a lot.
So that's what I'm wearing. Wore that for the filming today. Short shorts. It's part of the part of the whole mystique of the show. Speaking of homegrown, 117 South Main Street. Is that right? 117 North Main Street. Is it North Main Street or South Main Street? <laughs> I've, already forget, I've already forgotten where I work. It's been so long. We've been quarantined. But anyway, Homegrown Brew House. Um, I'm going to be opening up. Our governor has allowed us to do indoor dining again uh, starting today, as a matter of fact. Uh, midnight or 12.01 this morning a.m. So starting this Thursday, Thursday and Friday, Saturday of this week, I'm going to be opening up Homegrown Brew House from 4 to 8 p.m. This Thursday, the first day that we're going to open for indoor seating since all this started, I'm going to have Mr. Corey Dalton-Tate as our musical guest to kick, kick things off and get us uh, back up and running. He's going to perform from 5 to 8 on Thursday, so we're open from 4 to 8. He's performing 5 to 8, 3 hours. Normally we just do 2-hour sets. He's going to do 3, so that'll be exciting. Get out there and uh, get you some uh, bottle or can beer, excuse me, in-house or to-go. Uh, we got some drafts. we got a few new kegs in this week to add to the list. And come out and just have a good time, man. Party. Get out of the house a little bit. Do something. Uh, social distance. Wash your hands. Clean. Sanitize. Uh, wear a mask if you want to. And uh, just pull it down to drink your beverage. We're not going to have any food yet. We possibly might have some food next week. Uh, who knows, really. But so That uh, song. What the hell? Where did it go? Oh, so the song I played up front, that was The Best of You, originally by the Foo Fighters. That was a cover by Boise Avenue. So that's what the song was. In case you were wondering. What am I doing tonight, guys? Well, uh, first off, we're going to get some of this stuff off the, the bench here at the table. Just opened up a beer. This is a Voodoo Ranger IPA from a New Belgium Brewing Company. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to read the description. I'm going to drink it right out of the bottle. Something Tommy picked up on his way home. So yeah, that's what I'm drinking. I've been working on my new road signs. These go outside. Um, so we got Dale's Drive. We've got Sophie Street, which was my dog that died uh, uh, three years ago. Sophie. And then we've got Leia Lane, which of course is my dog now, Leia. So, we've got Leia Lane, Sophie Street, and Dale's Drive out there that I'm going to put up in the Zen Garden tomorrow. Speaking of Zen Garden, before I get to what I'm doing tonight, I'm setting up a... Dales's Zen Garden Acoustical Jam is what I'm going to call it. It's going to be on May 24th. It's going to be from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. ish. Oh, shit. This damn thing was like burning my leg, man. This little connection on my, on my headphone jack right here. It was laying on my leg and I felt it burning my leg. What is going on? There can't be that much juice coming from this... 9-volt battery-powered goddamn headphone amplifier, but it was it was like burning my leg hairs. That's not cool. What was I, what was I saying? 
Zen Garden. So the 24th of May from 5 to 9 p.m. I think I've pretty much got it together. It's going to be Bring Your Own Beer, uh, BYOB and BYOC, which is Bring Your Own Cheer. And it's going to be in the backyard in the Zen Garden. Uh, two more weeks I'll have it all put together and and up for a good time. We're going to have, I think I just solidified the, the list here. We're going to have Mr. Roger Minewater. Is going to open up things for us starting there at 5. Uh, he'll play a 30 or 45 minute set. Then we're going to introduce Mr. Mike Friend and the Mike Friend Band. He may be solo. He might have uh, one or two band pieces with him. He's going to play an hour or so. And then we're going to have uh, Blue Spear, which is the band that my roommate um, fronts with uh, Mr. Scotty Oliver and Dave Groniger and some other guys. Uh, they've put together five, six pieces at a time. It might just be a two, three piece. Not sure what the setup is going to be. And then following them, uh, an hour of those guys, we're going to finish up the night with a uh, 40-mile detour. And it could be, uh, it's probably going to be Mark Yampowski and uh, one or two other people. Mr. Paul Stone may make an appearance and kind of sit in with 40 Mile Detour a little bit. Mr. Fleming Moore is going to run sound for me, and he may sit in on harp on a few tunes here and there. But other than that, that's going to be the lineup. We're going to have four performers over a four-hour period. Um, and everybody's just going to hang out and have a good time. It's going to be a little acoustical jam in the Zen Garden on a Sunday at the end of the month. So look forward to that. Check it out. I'll keep you posted. I'm going to make a... Um, a Facebook event for it here probably sometime tomorrow, and we'll start seeing what kind of interest we can get in it. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be donation uh, to get into the door. And, of course, uh, all the artists will have some Venmos set up and cash apps or whatever where people can can uh, donate and tip if they would like to. But there you go. So what am I doing tonight, guys? Well, had a buddy of mine. I uh, mentioned him, Mr. Jeff. Mr. Jeff. He uh, helped me edit and put some things together in my book. After the, the last episode where I read the Mother's Day present story, he mentioned that he would love for me to maybe do a read of one of his favorite chapters in the book, which is called, it's the, it was the shorts, I think. It was the shorts, or it's the shorts, or the shorts. Something to do with shorts. So I've always had a theme going on with shorts, I guess, but... So I'm going to read that. I think it's like uh, 20 pages, maybe. Shouldn't be as long as the last story, although I'm already 15 minutes in, just bullshitting around, so I better get to it. But I'm super tired. My eyes are sticky. They're burning. Um, like I said, it's almost midnight. I'm going to put this out either on Tuesday or Wednesday. I haven't decided yet. It might be a late Tuesday release, just depending on how easily I can get the video off of this old phone that I have here. Hopefully, it works like I think it's going to. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to read a story. That's what I'm going to do. And then that might be the last thing I read out of this book. If you want to know what else is in the book, you're going to have to buy it, I guess. Ten bucks for a paper paperback copy, just like this one. Soft cover. Oh, my eye. I can't even see. I might have to put my glasses on if I can do this it's called It Was the Shorts. That's actually the official name of this. Let's push this up a little bit so I can get me some room here. 
So, it was the shorts. The title of this chapter. This is... Story 6. The sixth story out of the book. The uh, story that I read the other day was the third story. So this is a little bit of head. A little bit further along in the saga of the, uh, the eight, eight or nine years or so down there at Vodasta, Georgia. So, it was the shorts. Is what I'm going to read for you now. Hopefully I'll read it a little bit better than I read last night. Maybe not, because I'm tired. Or not last night, but last episode. So, take a sip of beer, and we're going to do it. Alright, ready guys? Here we go. Believe it or not, I used to work out several times a week. I still do on occasion, but not with the intensity I did back in 1996 to 97. I'd always cut my weight at a respectable 165 pounds, and by all standards was a really good-looking guy. Um, and this is, you know, of course I've done many, many workout uh, things way more intense than this um, as time went on, but... Back in this time is when I really started pumping up my workouts and uh, weights and running and all kind of stuff. So back to it, guys. Here we go. Even through basic training and technical school, my weight stayed the same. Some of the men gained weight because we were forced to eat three meals a day. Some lost weight from all the physical fitness training we endured. I wanted to gain weight, but I just couldn't seem to break through. In basic training, we marched virtually everywhere we went. So packing on any mass was not the easiest task. Five days a week, we mustered for workouts, including stretching, jumping jacks, push-ups, sit-ups, and running. The running was extremely lame. We'd start with a quarter mile and ease our way up to the mile and a half final run after six weeks, six and a half weeks of basic training. Technical school was even more of an embarrassment. We only worked out one day a week because the Texas heat usually kept us in the black. Uh, in the black, there's a thing that they would raise called the black flag when the... the wet bulb temperature got above a certain uh, temperature, they would raise the black flag and say no outdoor physical activity. So that's what the black flag was. Uh, anytime the temperature of the heat index rose above a certain level, a black flag would go up, suspending all outdoor activity. So I uh, just explained what the book fucking said. Hate the same as everyone else, actually more, but I guess my metabolism kept my weight on an even keel. I even splurged on sodas and candy bars nightly for no gains. That is, until 1996, when a new hospital commander took control of the 347th Medical Group at Moody Air Force Base in Georgia. This guy was intense and in shape. He was a tiny man, maybe 5 foot, 8 inches, and 140 pounds, almost frail looking. As if you could look at him wrong and he would just shrivel like a raisin. I don't remember how old he was or whether he was married, but he ran like the wind. He'd win many of the endurance events the base put on during his two-and-a-half-year tour there and was the guy everyone aspired to beat. One of the major changes he made while in command was that everyone had to attend mandatory PC, or physical conditioning, every Tuesday. Really, it was just mandatory running, but we'd all form up out at the gym and run a mile out and back around the end of the flight line. Running wasn't even graded for fitness at the time. We used a bike test called the cyclogometry, but this commander thought running was the epitome of manliness. To tell you the truth, most people hated the idea, and I agreed with them. But once I got used to running, I began to crave it. I began getting better and better, 
And before long, I was right up front, leading by example and getting in great shape. I haven't read the story ahead of time, by the way. Um, I'm just hoping I'll, I'll read it better than the last time. So, My weight stayed around 165, but I felt great. I started to hit the gym before or after our runs, and this quickly became part of my routine. Most times I cut out of work at 4 o'clock, jog to the gym for some weight lifting, and then go run my two miles. Two miles eventually became three, four, and five, and before I knew it, I gained a few pounds. Usually you lose weight from aerobic training, but when I combined it with the weightlifting and better eating habits, I put on some muscle mass to boost my weight a little. In the weight room while lifting, I often ran into a guy named Kent. He worked in radiology at the medical group. He had a bum ankle and would just weight train instead of running. He eventually became my daily training partner. Kent was about six feet, one inch tall, the same height as me, and had basically the same build. We were starting working out together. Oh, when we started working out together, we were pretty much at the same level, and our weekly workouts were identical. We'd alternate front and back, or upper and lower body. At one point in our training, I was squatting 500 pounds for one repetition. I couldn't do this often, but when I did, I felt like Arnold Schwarzenegger and pumping iron. This blessed union of souls went on four months, went on for months, and I started making some good gains. My weight shot up to 175. I was taking Rip Fuel, a, meta, a metabolism booster, the original with ephedrine in it, not that pussy stuff they make now. And my diet consisted of chocolate protein shakes, creatine monohydrate, carbohydrate drinks, and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I cut out the smoking and all the sodas. We'd work out every day of the week except for one, which would vary from week to week. This all started back in November 1996, and it was now March of 1997. I'd pumped up to 185. Wow. 20 pounds of real muscle in just five months, and my body fat was below 8%. Charleston had hosted a race, the Cooper River Bridge Run, for many years, but I never had any real interest in participating. This year was different. I was different. I was going to run the bridge this year, and I was ready. I called my brother Bruce, told him of my plans, and asked him to join me. He wasn't as enthusiastic as I was about this idea and said he was pretty much a slug, but he'd do it. Training hard and really wanting to do my best, I was running six to seven miles a day and felt like a, an Olympian. What started out being a chore was now one of the highlights of my life. Sure, I was neglecting my wife and family and using it as an excuse to be out of the house, but come on, I was doing something good for my health. My boss, Jimmy, was a runner and was helping me get in shape for this big day. He kept me motivated as we did our weekly group runs and I'd take care of the rest on my off days. The time had finally arrived. The bridge was the next Saturday and there was a base run being sponsored by the fitness center the week prior. I signed up along with Jimmy and Bill, our therapist. I ran the seven mile course around the flight line in about an hour, proving to myself I could run the 10 kilometer bridge run with no problem. The race was kicked off by Bill Murray, famous for Saturday Night Live and films like Caddyshack and Ghostbusters. He happened to be part owner of the Charleston River Dogs, our minor league baseball team. I remember the race started to the song Going the Distance by the band Cake, and I got goosebumps as I trotted over to started line, starting line. There were at least 20,000 people there, and I was inspired to go the distance. Bruce and I had awakened at 5.30 a.m., way too early for me, and made a light breakfast consisting of protein shake, banana, and juice. We wanted to have a high energy, 
We wanted to have high energy, but also didn't want to run. Oh, God damn it. We wanted to have a lot of energy, but also didn't want a lot of heavy food sitting on our stomachs. After dressing, we headed out with both of our cars. The plan was to park one car in downtown Charleston and then take the other across the Cooper River Bridge to Mount Pleasant. This will give us the opportunity to run the bridge, retrieve our parked car, drive back across the bridge, and pick up the other vehicle. If you didn't do this, you'd have to wait on one of the many shuttle buses to take you back to your ride. By doing this, it would allow us to get ahead of the beach crowd and start drinking and tanning as soon as possible. After getting the cars pre-positioned, uh, we put on our running gear and went to the Wild Wing Cafe. The cafe is a local wing joint that opened its doors early on the day of the race to serve fruit and juices. The local radio station, 96 Wave, was also in the parking lot blasting tunes and broadcasting the race. We ate and drank a few light items and around 7 a.m. began stretching and warming up. I knew I was going to make the run with no problem, but Bruce was already beginning to doubt his ability to make the 10 kilometers without having a heart attack. As 8 a.m. rolled around, we positioned ourselves about two-thirds of the way up in the pack and synchronized our watches. Just a few more minutes and the gun would shoot and we'd put one foot in front of the other for 6.2 miles on our way to the finish. Bill Murray was introduced and came out with a joke. He was also going to run the race and claimed he wouldn't even make it to the bridge. You see, he had to go two miles before even hitting the first span of, of the bridge, and then it would be two more miles of hills. After traversing over the river, you'd have one tinier hill on the overpass, then it would be flat for another 2.2 miles through downtown. The Star Spangled Banner hummed through the huge street speakers as runners took their marks, got set, and bang, we were off. Bruce and I stayed neck and neck through the first two and a half miles. Bruce didn't think he could finish and was already talking about walking after the first couple of miles. He started breathing heavier and heavier as we climbed the first span of the bridge and I said I could leave him and said I could leave him if I wanted to. I wanted to stay and pace him but also wanted to run my hardest and show how much I'd improved physically. Hell, I had put in a lot of hard work into my body and it was time to push it. It was time to push it. God damn it. I was doing so well, guys. I told him, just keep running, brother. Don't stop. Don't ever stop and walk because you will never get started again. Just breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Try to focus and I will meet you at the finish line. I opened my stride and left Bruce in the dust as we headed downhill. I pushed hard and down the next fan, and before I knew it, I was being blasted with music from the second radio station, 98 Rock, parked at the bottom of the bridge. The pickup of music after the quiet, monotonous droll of the bridge was all I needed to re-energize. I was now in downtown, and the streets were lined with tons of local residents acting as my own personal cheerleaders. Some of them sang songs, others yelled encouragement. A few played instruments, and there was even a guy trying to hand me a glazed donut. I pushed through the crowded streets as the morning sun gleamed on my already scorching forehead and sweaty body. I ran through a water misting station, giving me a slight reprieve from the heat and humidity. My, th my thoughts turned to Bruce, and I wondered if he had kept running or surrendered to the hill and started walking. All that mattered was that I was going to beat him. I made a left turn, and point two miles ahead, I could see the finish. I sped up with my last possible bits of energy and lurched over the finish line with my arms held high in victory and my brother somewhere several minutes behind me. Finally, something I was better at than Bruce. He had always been better in all the other sports we played, like baseball and soccer. But today I was the victor. 
and I'd be sure to let him know for a long time to come. I ran my first bridge run in somewhere around 55 minutes, and more importantly, beat my brother that year. We tackled the bridge every year since, and now that it, he takes it seriously, he has beaten me a few times. I believe we might be tied, but who's counting? <clears throat> I was 24 and probably in the best shape of my life. It was now August 1997. I've been working hard for 10 months straight, got my weight up to an all-time high of 189 pounds. 25 was fast approaching, and I decided it was time for a new challenge. I informed all the guys at 265 I was going to attempt to take a hike or a bike ride from Valdosta, Georgia to Charleston, South Carolina by my 25th birthday. I don't have to tell you that these guys got a big laugh out of that one. Those boys were all about drinking and smoking and wouldn't have even entertained the idea. Byron, for one, was slightly obese, looking like George Costanza from Seinfeld, and hardly walked much less than ran anywhere. I mean, those dudes wouldn't even get off the couch to answer the door, or get an ashtray to snub their cigarette butts, much less ride a bike a few hundred miles for nothing. I'd already bought a mountain bike a few months earlier, and had been riding to my, and had added had added riding to my routine. Peanut, you may recall, as one of the karaoke buddies, um, and the one-eyed fireman carried to keep him from freezing to death. All right, sorry about the little pause right there. For some reason, my audacity had stopped. So yeah, the, the one-eyed fireman carried to keep him freezing to death. So you can go back and look at that, that uh, story called The Movie. It's the second chapter in the book. But he was still hanging around the Air Force, if only for a little while longer. We'd been infested by the... He'd been infested by the fitness bug as well and was riding with me weekly. We'd usually just pedal around the neighborhood or sometimes ride a mile away out to the local video store. Occasionally, we'd take a trek out to Walmart 15 or so miles down the road and pick up bass fishing equipment. The miles started building, and before I knew it, we'd add, we'd add up 60 to 70 miles in a week. So what had happened is I had dropped the book here, and I think the the spine landed on the space bar and it paused the audacity. So I got to keep the uh, space bar. Man, so many problems that can happen. I felt I was ready and started planning my trip. I pulled up MapQuest. Who the hell knows what MapQuest is, guys? Anybody out there? Used to be what you use before we have uh, Google Maps or any other kind of maps. Apple Maps, Google Maps, whatever. We pulled up MapQuest on the internet. Sketched out my route, taking me up Highway 84 and then crossing under the interstate to Highway 17, leading me right into Charleston. The trip would be close to 275 miles, and I figured I could easily do it in two days. I'd ride about 10 to 12 hours a day and try to average 12 miles per hour. I had it all planned out, and it seemed pretty simple. But I'd, found out so I'd find out soon enough that I'd overlooked one very important yet simple aspect to bike riding. Let me take a little sip of beer here, guys. All right. I had picked the dates for my travel. Would leave on a Thursday morning, ride that day and the next, and arrive at my parents' house that Friday night. Brandy and the kids would bring the car up after work Friday, providing me with a ride back home. I wasn't going to pedal that damn bike both directions. This plan could not fail. I'd done all my homework and shopping, so on Wednesday night I started packing. I bought a hiking backpack and stuffed it to the top with the following items. Energy bars, spare tire tubes, flashlight, flat tire gel, a poncho, change of clothes, 
an atlas, a compass, bike chain, extra bike chain, and water. Of course, you wouldn't need an atlas or a compass at this point anymore now that we have a smartphone. Also put together a fanny pack with my 357 Magnum, uh, my CD player, my cell phone, and my wallet. So yeah, I couldn't use my cell phone. <laughs> you could listen to your cell phone at that time. You had to have a separate thing, so we were still using CD players. That was probably a, a, a Sony CD uh, Walkman. Um, but anyway, yeah. Excuse me. I had outfitted my bike with a speedometer, a uh, few extra reflectors, and a headlight. I wasn't—I was as prepared as any person could be. Soon to be hugging the shoulder and sharing the road on my way to Charleston. The alarm went off promptly at 4 a.m. and I grabbed a shower and a bite to eat. I threw on my lucky Nike hat, my Nike running shorts, and a tank top. Then threw my pack on my back. At 5 a.m., I kissed Brandy and told her to wish me luck. It was still dark when I turned the pedals over in their first rotation of many, and I was alone on the road for about the first hour up to Hinesville. I was making pretty good time and maintaining my 12 mile per hour average. Things were going good so far. The ride was already tougher than I expected, but I figured my legs were supposed to be screaming at me. I had to hit my stride and get settled in, and then these things would smooth themselves out. It was already as hot as a three alarm fire, as usually was the case in the middle of summer in South Georgia, and my whole body was sweating. By the time I passed through Hinesville, I started to notice that my nuts and penis had gone numb from the pressure, and there was a slight burning going on in my thigh region. <laughs> it was nothing major, but enough for me to take notice. I looked down at my watch, realizing I'd been gone two hours and ridden a little over 30 miles. Just a while longer, and my wheels would be entering Waycross, and my fingers would be dialing Brandy to check in. The daylight had broken a while ago, the sun rising in front of me as I pedaled east, and the temperature was elevating fast. The traffic was heavier than expected, and there was there had been a few hairy moments that almost made me turn back. The grade of the road was fairly flat, as I remembered from my many trips up this same road in the car, but it started to feel as if I were traversing the great Rocky Mountains. I couldn't feel my ass, and the burning between my legs was becoming unbearable. I pushed through and saw a sign for Waycross, almost to my first checkpoint. Seeing the green rectangular sign, I knew I'd entered the quaint, quiet little town of Waycross after just four solid hours of grinding my thighs together like two sticks. They were on fire. I traveled through what little town there was and had finally had enough. I didn't think I could continue. I went down a side street and decided uh, to grab a bite to eat, take a break, to let my skin cool and get back on the road. The pavement was not going to get my submission quite so easily. I shoved a dry burger and a flat soda down my throat from the local Dairy Queen and mounted my bike once more. I started pedaling and I could hear, actually hear, the sounds of my shorts tearing into my flesh, like flint and stone trying to create a spark. There should have, there should have been a sign of, there should have been signs of smoke and a small flame rising from between my legs any minute, and I decided I was defeated and surrendered to the pain. I'd soon call my wife to come pick me up. I'd come so far, four hours and 60 plus miles, but I just couldn't continue another second. I coasted downhill into the center of town, went to the park, and pulled up to a vacant bench. I slid my 60-pound pack off my back and down my arm, set it under the bench, and I melted down on the warm, dry wood. 
I could literally smell my skin burning. I retrieved my cell phone from my fanny pack and dialed home. Brandy was on the line in three rings. I told her I was in Waycross, lying on a park bench, and that she needed to come retrieve me. After she consoled me and let me know she was sorry, I faintly heard the first of many laughs I would receive over the coming weeks. She said she was on her way. I said earlier that there was one piece of vital equipment I failed to acquire before my ride. It's all in the shorts, man. You never wear running shorts to go biking, period. My dad had always told me there was always a right tool for every job, and now I know exactly what he meant. The lining in the running shorts just chased and chafed the shit out of the inside of my thighs. It was just running, rubbing back and forth, back and forth with every push of the pedal. I don't claim to be a doctor or anything, but I couldn't. I could have sworn I had just endured the first ever circumcision by shorts. I swear that a good skin graft to the entire penal zone was the only thing that could fix this mess. The guys at 265 soon got wind of my travels and would never let me live it down. But to this day, I swear, man, it was the shorts. So there you go. The uh, point to that story was, uh, it was the shorts, you know. Everybody uh, thought I had an excuse for not going the 275 miles from Valdosta, Georgia to Charleston. They thought I just went out. I was a pussy. I wasn't in shape enough or whatever, but I swear it was the fucking shorts. If I would have had the right shorts on, some bike shorts, I would have made that ride without a problem. With 60 pounds on my back and a fanny pack, I was riding a mountain bike for God's sake, so it wasn't even a road bike. So to go 60 miles on a mountain bike with all that weight and um, everything else and those shorts, I felt like I did a pretty damn good job. But people to this day say I just failed and that the, 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 the shorts was the excuse. But that's not the case, guys. The shorts, man. That little liner in there. Now, another side note, I could have worn those shorts if I would have Vaseline my thighs up. And continued to apply some Vaseline, some some anti-chafing type solvent in between my legs. I think I would have been able to do it with those shorts on. But, yeah. I've even had that problem during running where I've had a chafing from running shorts. And Vaseline is your friend. Put Vaseline around your waistband, in between your thighs, under your arms. If you're wearing a, a tank top of sorts, put it where the, the tank top strap is going to run. If you're wearing a heart rate monitor, put it underneath your heart rate monitor to prevent chafing. If you're a female, you're wearing a sports bra, put it underneath the uh, the crease and uh, the banding of your of your sports bra, and of course over the shoulders. Vaseline is your friend, guys. That's all I'm going to say. But all right, well, I'm going to cut this one short. That's all I wanted to do. I want to tell you about Homegrown opening up this week. Uh, we got some live music. I want to tell you about the. Uh, the Zen Garden Acoustical Jam on May 24th. That's going to be a blast from 5 to 9 that evening. And I wanted to read a story out of the book for Mr. Jeff. You can pick up that book. It's all fun and games and tell at lulu.com, self-publishing site. And if you have something that you've written and you want to self-publish it, go to lulu.com. You can do it there as well. Publish your works. Get out there. Do something. All right, it is after midnight that I'm recording, and I'm out of here, guys. I will talk to you soon.